You're listening to Verbal Tap Interview Series. Today's interviews sponsored by our best friends. You gotta go to provennutrition.com. You gotta try the core. You just have to. It's fantastic. You're gonna try it, you're gonna love it, you're gonna thank us. Also need to go to NorthSouthJujitsu.com and take a look at those navies. You're gonna know what I mean. NorthSouthJujitsu.com. I'm an A4 and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Now, Verbal Tap Interview Series with Joe the Nose Wilk. The crowd demanded we bring back certain guests. We've circled the 300 wagon, and of course, even though his town is flooding, um, running a gym, making the new bjj9000.com dream happen um those dummies are actually badass i've seen them in use i'm a little worried about my own game more than the dummies here fighter from a long time uh back in casinos long time verbal tap guest joe the nose wilk joe how are you doing sir doing good man thanks for having me yeah half the town's underwater but i always find time for a podcast i like talking Joe swam this direction. He is in a canoe, but he's doing great and he's very fit. So we're fine. Everybody, don't worry about him. Last time I saw you, you ducked in and did helpful surprise commentary. I say surprise because he didn't know he was showing up to do commentary, but Joe's always prepared. You're doing some fighting. I see you in the booth. Before we hit to, we've got a lot of things that we want to catch up on because I want to hear about the new giant training facility out in Manhattan. But last time I saw you, you were cage side doing some commentary as well out in the Manhattan fights. Uh, actually, in in Omaha and the surrounding area, yeah, I was uh, with Victory Fighting Championship and uh, on UFC Fight Pass, and did like fifteen or so shows with them. Um, that Victory actually ended up selling, and so uh, I don't think that I'm not sure if they're still on TV or not. But I haven't been doing. Uh, victory shows lately but that led to some other stuff i've been doing commentary for world left lead championships which like if you haven't ever seen left lead it's pretty cool it's essentially it's full muay thai rules no gloves and you can headbutt so it's like a pretty exciting style of fighting so (laughs) it's pretty easy to do commentating for that show Okay, I'm I'm a little stuck up on <laughs> on headbutting because I mean I've always threatened the fact that I have a larger head and that's a giant advantage for me, but I also don't have a, to commentate on matches where people are headbutting. Uh, I was originally going to ask you what it feels like to commentate, but what the fuck does it feel like when somebody headbutts each other and you go, you know, funny story about headbutting, the strategy they use there is similar to one that I teach in my classes, like. How do you prepare or how do you even talk about that in the moment? Well, I had to do, I basically just tried to do as like much research as possible when I first got the gig. Um, it, it's also known as Burmese boxing. Um, it's in Myanmar and it, it's like the national sport of Myanmar. And so uh, I found a video. Yeah, I, I don't able, like this. I don't like this at all. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. No, well, the thing, the thing that's cool that you like, you end up finding out, uh, 
from like watching it and, and one, once you get more involved in it is like, it's very strategic actually. Like the headbutting is not like from the movies where guys are just like rearing back usually. And it's a little really like big that, ones, but it, it's a little, yeah, it can be. I just sorry. So if you're watching a highlight, if you're watching a highlight <laughs> video, that's probably what you're going to get. But it's very, it's actually very like tactical and technical inside the clinch. It really changes the clinch fighting. Cause you know, like a style uh, or tie style, Muay Thai clinch uh, wouldn't really protect you from the other guy smashing his head into your face. So uh, they have a lot more kind of like over under um, chest to chest clinching in, in lift way. And they use a lot of head butts and, and then, you know, outside of that, it's just a lot uh, basically Muay Thai rules, but it's really cool, man. And uh, hopefully we get to, we've done everything in studio so far. I haven't got to go to Myanmar yet, but hopefully get to do that in the future. And, I enjoy commentating overall, um, I guess, but like it, nothing compared, like the, the problem with fighting, I feel like, like I, I don't have a ton of experience with drugs. I mean, probably more than three quarters of the people listening, but I feel like fighting's like the heroin of sports and that like, you'll always end up trying to like find something equivalent to that. And, you know, so far with, you know, my life and my, and my stories and research, the coolest thing I've ever done is fighting. And, you know, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to sit and watch when you'd rather be in there doing it, but it also is cool to get paid to sit front row and talk about fights. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Totally. And see, you have a very different reaction than I do. Cause Kevin, what was the advice I gave you when you were doing your first like jujitsu commentating gig? We talked a lot. Are you looking for me to narrow it down to one thing? Well, I was too busy trying to write the president of Myanmar that they should not let Joe Wilk in the country. I was trying to find. I know he sounds nice right now. Yeah. But I was trying to find a congressperson. I don't know what they have, but I'm working on it. I tried telling Kevin, for us, that's our drug of choice because I told him, I was like, there's nothing like doing commentary because they don't teach you how to do that. You can meet great instructors for MMA or for jiu-jitsu or for striking, but nobody bothers to tell you, hey, kid, this is how you do good commentary. And that's why it's so inconsistent all throughout. I think for you as a fighter, what they should do is in between uh, when, you know, you get like a little commercial break or they take a moment there, they should just have some mats cage side for you personally or you can step out like that's your smoke break. You go do a couple rounds, you come back, and you're just like, oh, man, I feel so much better. Because for me, when I see people compete as a broadcaster, uh, a lot of times people are like, well, you don't want to compete. You don't want to get out there. And I was like, no, nah, not really. And they're like, well, what do you do? Most people, like, they see good competition. They want to go out there and compete. I look at it, and I go, no, I just want to learn that sweep. Like, I'll immediately see something that I hone in on whenever I'm doing coverage or I'm at PANS or Worlds or EBI. And I'm just like, yo, that sweep looks so money. I'm going to forget it if I don't do it in the next 30 seconds. Ah, shit. Then nobody else in the press row wants to do it. So kudos on that, man. I'm very glad that you were uh, able to do some commentary. So wait, let me get this straight. Kev, I didn't know that you did a little bit of commentary with with Joe. Joe, was this for the thing that Kevin was doing? Did you guys work together? So it was in uh, there's a pro show in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And basically what happened was is I was coaching a couple guys there. Um, one of the guys doing the commentary was coaching some guys. And so he was like, Hey bro, glad you're here. Can you step in here and do this real quick while I coach? And I was like, yeah. So I just sat down and, 
and we nailed it. I thought we did a good job. So not just um, that. I've, I've you're underselling it came really easy. You're underselling how attentive you were as well. Like every time <laughs> Ethan would be popping up, I'd be like, I gotta find Joe, and he's poof sitting there like a commentary <laughs> entertainment ninja. Still got kicked yeah, in the I'm, face, and you weren't even fighting. I don't know how you did that. Yeah, it happens. I, you know, with with me, man, throughout my career, um, I think I was kind of early in on this with MMA. Um, but I was, I was always looking for cameras and microphones. Like I never was shying away from that. I was pretty much exactly the opposite. Like I would just hang around people with cameras and microphones until I got a chance to do my thing and. Uh, it's something I've, I've always enjoyed that part of it. Um, so, you know, for me, stuff like that was pretty easy. And, and, you know, it's funny too, like you were saying, um, that there's no coaches for that, but I actually got really, really lucky because my broadcast partner for victory fighting championship was Sean Wheelock, who was, he did pride M one, yeah, he did solid. the first like hundred some Bellators. So like, I, I actually did get coaching. Like I essentially kind of got like, walked right into a really good situation with a really experienced guy. And, and at the end of the day, man, like from doing commentary, you guys would know this. And, and if most people don't know is that really like the play by play is the hard part being like a color commentator from my perspective, is just kind of responding to what that guy just talked about. And, mm-hmm. and that was always really easy for me. I felt like I kind of stepped in, was able to do it. The hard parts is, is like having the, like uh, keeping your voice excited. There's all this little stuff. Like most people don't realize, like when you're doing a televised event, like when we were on UFC Fight Pass, I had a headset on and there's people talking to me, like literally yeah. as I'm talking, there's people talking to me. And and I think that was like, and learning the lingo, you know, I like had to learn all this like crazy industry jargon, like, oh, we're going to come off on a two shot use b-roll blah and i was like what the hell are you guys talking about you know so <laughs> i had a i had a lot to learn uh early on and i thought i did an all right job but i also feel like i mean i definitely if it's something i keep doing i can definitely get better at it just like anything especially with like my level of excitement because like you could definitely tell if i'm not into a fight i feel like like i'd get a text message from somebody while i was commentating and be like bro you sound like you're falling asleep i'm like well fuck are you watching this fight like <laughs> Sorry, I can't pretend that every fight's like a, a, a thriller, you know what I mean? Well, I'm just glad you do that because one of Kevin and I's pet peeves is when we watch a show and you hear the commentator force justify how good the show is. The fake excitement. And, yeah, the like watching AJ man, not fight someone. It's like, this is fine. We but. have had such a card here tonight. I mean, have you ever seen a card like this one that we're seeing here tonight? And it's like, you know, if the card is really that good, you don't A, need to say it, and it, B, it'll speak for itself. I just like the fact that every once in a while, you hear a commentator just go, yeah, I'm not so much into this, but right. let's talk about what we can. And I always think about it like this. The, the the greatest honor I think you can have as a broadcaster is the full knowledge that you can explain somebody's story. You can tell a, a lot about technique and all that sort of thing. But the thing that always stands out in my brain is you might be part of someone's highlight reel someday. So you don't want to yell out, that's a good bingo, like some nonsense right. that you know that is just going to ruin their highlight machine. So for me personally, I usually sit down and you want to be honest and in the moment, but 
you know, you, you definitely think about the athletes a lot and trying to, you know, we're all there for a certain job. So I think that you make sense. As you mentioned, you're very good on the microphone. Um, you, you have a certain kind of, uh, like fun wit about explaining the techniques. So for us, that's always way easier to digest than the person who's like, yeah, look at that. That's a great match. Right. Take no, yeah. I think that I was lucky in multiple ways, you know, like, the VFC, uh, when I was involved before it sold and when it was on Fight Pass, it was like a, a straight feeder show to the UFC. And so it was like, it was really, really good fights for the most part. I think that we, I did those like, uh, I think it was like a, around 15 shows. And I think there was like an 80% finishing rate or something in those fights. So we didn't have like a bunch of really bad fights, but that was one thing is like, I wasn't afraid to basically call guys out if they were fighting like shit because like you know at the end of the day too you people are paid money for a ticket or paid money for their subscription to fight pass to come watch you fight and if you're out there like playing it safe or or you know like you know that nothing's ever annoyed me worse than than people that that like basically but we'll take the third round off if they if they're up two rounds you know that's not the point of fighting for me and never has been it was always like finish or die trying i feel like that's more of how it should be out there so i had a few instances where i had to get talked to and you know i I really enjoyed also doing the the um post-fight interview i was the in cage guy too so that was really cool i got to do some really cool interviews i got to do like uh jeff curran uh did his retirement fight for the bfc and i got to Mm. do his like retirement interview and that dude's a legend you know he's was like an old school jujitsu guy i've been watching forever he's fought everywhere and, yeah. and uh so like certain stuff like that was really cool you know like at the end of the day man it just doesn't give me the same boner as actually putting the gloves on does uh, but nothing really does so well, i have a question about that mm-hmm. then hold on i want to follow the erection direction <laughs> yeah, no do kidding. you know i'm looking at your 30 fight recorded sure dog history it says this okay. is a fun game we'll do called uh, Joe's Fight Trivia Card. Eric Fernandez, you submitted him at a card called Adrenaline Extreme Combat 13 on December 15th of 2006. It does not say yep. what the submission was. Do you remember? Yeah, it's an arm bar. No, wait. Nope, that was a rear naked choke. But I dropped him. That was one of the first guys I ever like landed good shots on, uh, like on the feet. That was at the Beaumont Club in Westport in Kansas City. And <laughs> back in those days, you could still smoke in the venue, so the Beaumont Club oh, would be gross. so thick with smoke. Yeah, like it was like fighting in fog. It was awesome. The but, Beaumont Club. Yeah, was, no. I saw Papa Roach play there when they were on the outs <laughs> and we, wow. were, we were going on like a Wednesday night. They had a mechanical bull just to give everyone a real scene here. Ooh. The Beaumont club has uh, a rich history of fantasticness, but I heard uh, Papa Roach play on a Wednesday and the bouncer wouldn't let us in. We we're like, please. He's like, fine, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, it was, I fought it in the Beaumont club a few times, but yeah, that was a good one. That one, I have that belt still. I won a title that night in that fight and he had beaten, uh, one of my friends earlier on and that's always a little a good to get some revenge for your boys but eric's a cool dude man he was a tough guy he kept fighting for a while after that and uh he was scrappy he always fought super tough competition yeah i definitely just dude, i remember him. every fight i promise you you could you could ask me those questions all night long i, I could tell you 
what I drank at the after party, Ooh. which this girl is, I had my on. eye on. This game got much better very quickly. <laughs> like, we're gonna oh, I'm not going to ask about like, what Cardi TKO'd DeMasso Schubert at then. We've got a lot more to talk about. I just want to. Oh, think. yeah. That was that one. That was at. That was in Wichita, League Fighting Championships. Anderson Silva cornered him against me, and that was an interesting story, too, because I was like, if we're going to beef with uh, somebody's like fight team, at the time, Anderson Silva was like the most famous fighter in the world, and I was like, so I had to tell, I had like 100 people come and watch that fight, and I was like, if any one of you motherfuckers takes a picture or gets an autograph from Anderson Silva before this fight happens, I'm going to slap you in my fa- in the face myself. I was like, you just pretend he doesn't fucking exist, and then we can all fucking ride his nuts after the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I and I have a feeling your teammates are like, I think he's serious. We, we all kind of... Yeah. He looks Joe serious. serious. I didn't want someone coming up with like my gym t-shirt on fucking kissing this dude's coach's ass before the fight man like uh, let him sweat it let him think we don't give a shit pretend we don't even know who he is <laughs> um kevin yeah. sent me the video of this of this style fighting you, you and, mean the style where they don't even wear gloves though well, okay they I'm, just tape I'm with their you. hands listen dog it's a new world i understand new gloves old gloves whatever uh, this this KO and the headbutting and the stuff like that, it makes my head hurt a little bit. But I guess the idea here is, though, it is interesting to see. Yeah, because I guess for a split second, you know how they say, like, don't drop your hands. Nobody ever mentions or you're going to get a headbutt. So it's good to know that that is a strategy. So I, I might have to take that if uh, I'm ever cornered on the street. Kev. We have so much to talk about, though. Now, you were the one to break this news to me, and it occurs to me that there's a great moment that we all appeared in the same issue of Jiu-Jitsu Magazine. Now, here I was thinking, this is the first time at all, probably, they've ever mentioned us, if at all. I think they might have put me in by mistake a couple times. But then he's just like, oh, Wilkes in it, too. And I was like, wait, what? How? So tell us why you were in the latest issue of Jiu-Jitsu Magazine. Because I got in a truck with my business partner with a dummy in the back and drove from Manhattan, Kansas to Chino, California <laughs> and showed up at the headquarters. That's why. Okay. And I've been uh, like, I've been like, I'm, I'm hustling this thing, man. Like I feel like, uh, I, I mean, obviously it's my product, but I really believe that myself and, and my partner, Abe Wagner, he's a former top 25 heavyweight in the world. And I feel like we have invented like the, the best product for training in a long, long time. Like it, it just worked so well. And, and, uh, it was everything I thought it could be. I had this idea almost 10 years ago. And, um, so when, when we started like getting off the ground with it and we actually had dummies and we were doing stuff, I called him one day from my couch. I was sitting there. It's probably like six, eight beers into the night. And I called him and I was like, he's like very into modern. He's just a smarter guy than me. And so he's like, Oh, you know, uh, internet or website traffic's driven by this and this many people click and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, fuck that. Let's get in a vehicle and let's road trip all the way out to California and back and go to every gym, stop it. You know, it's a small community. I knew a lot of people. We stopped at Mall Easton's in Denver. Uh, we got to go to UFC headquarters uh, and drop one off to Forrest Griffin in Vegas. 
We went to Chino to see Mike Velez at Jiu-Jitsu Magazine, um, and on and on and on. We went to a big fitness expo, Henry Cejudo's gym. We dropped the one off in Phoenix, and we just hit this massive road trip. You know, it was like a 11-day, 4,000-mile road trip, and it was just nonstop us hustling and, and trying to get it out there. Because one of the things about our product is that, like, watching videos is one thing, but getting your hands on one is a totally different thing to realize, like, how well it actually works. And give us uh, – Yeah, so we showed up. Because the thing that strikes me is it's it's steadiness when you put it into essentially like the turtle position. So it's got some. Right. I'm, I'm definitely curious road trip wise, but I do just kind of want to hear some of the nerdiness around it. Did because it kind of it has a pull guard um, bottom, which is a, a cool function, and the arms look in that sort of position that people look when you know you push them onto their back essentially. Yeah, so it's uh, that's our patented leg enclosure technology. Um, but yeah, we uh, so we we made a dummy that'll actually mimic somebody like during a fight. And and one of the ways that we were able to do that <clears throat> was to uh, create that leg enclosure. Now, obviously, like if you're inside the guard, that's going to make uh, the striking and all the angles uh, a lot more realistic because it, it is a jujitsu dummy, but it, it's an MMA dummy too. Uh, you know, it's very functional for all different kinds of training. And then the big thing with the leg enclosure, though, is just what you mentioned, which is the the turtle position, uh, which no real dummy has. You know, like we basically wanted to take away the idea that most grappling dummies. Okay, like you guys go to gyms, you've been in gyms. For the most part, grappling dummies become like benches and stools. The arms get ripped off. You know, they're just, uh, they're, they're not very functional for training. And so I had this idea and, and my partner, like I mentioned, is a, a basically a genius and was able to kind of help or not kind of help, really help me get it put into, into practice. And one of the things we did, it has a solid steel frame. So that's one thing you can't tell from looking at it, like on the internet but its skeleton is actually made out of the same kind of a bar as an Olympic uh, weightlifting bar. Uh, so it makes it basically indestructible. We, you know, when we were doing testing on the dummy, we, we've thrown it off of buildings. Um, you know, we jump up and down on the back of it as a demo all the time. And, uh, you know, Abe's, uh, Abe Wagner again is, you know, my partner on him. He's a, he's a heavyweight, but he's a retired heavyweight. So he's even heavier and he get he just jumps up and down on the back of it, trying to break it and it doesn't go anywhere, you know? So we, we created a really durable product, but we also made one that wasn't floppy because like, you know, the dummies now is like kind of like just like a stuffed mannequin and they just lay around and you basically have to manipulate it in any position you want to. But with ours, because of the steel skeleton and the angles, it, it actually moves really well. It moves side to side. And, you know, um, like if you sit in half guard on it, it turns and faces you because of the rigidity of it. It doesn't just lay there like a dead body. It actually mimics someone that would be fighting you back. I heard if you leave it near a coffee maker, it will also make coffee. I can't confirm that, but just put that in the <laughs> you never, You never know. We found so many uses for it, man. You have no idea. When you've got those things laying around, you end up using them for all sorts of shit. I'm just getting a little nervous here to think like the Skynet version of this dummy is going to come to life at night and like try and murder me. It's, you know, that might be like the 2.0 version is, is one that <laughs> has some kind of technology. But, you know, like the the thing about the dummy uh, is that for people that practice jujitsu and MMA, people that have gyms. I think it's kind of a no brainer. 
um, especially like anybody that's ever got to play with one has basically gotten one or, or, or wants it. They, everybody loves it from, we've had Brazilian Jiu Jitsu world champions, UFC fighters, uh, everything in between. But the thing for me, that's really key too, is that is for people that will never step foot in a gym, you know, like, uh, you know, I always use my mom as a reference. My mom is never going to go into a jiu-jitsu gym and let someone squeeze her head and drip sweat into her mouth. And, you know, like, that's just not what she's interested in, but you can take, I could take her with the dummy and as she's getting this workout, you know, almost like a cardio kickboxing style workout for ground fighting. What the, what happens is you end up with an educational component. You can teach them what the guard is, what half guard is, how to take the back. And then, you know, so Saturday when my mom's watching fights, instead of just yelling whip his ass, she's like, Oh, that guy just passed half guard to mount position. You know, it has this, this crazy like educational component because of the anatomy of it. So uh, that's something that we're really pumped about. I think it's like a way for people to get better. There's no doubt, but it's also a way for people that would never have an opportunity or, or even just would never want to go and do real fight training can still have fun and learn the positions and punch shit and squeeze the neck and do arm bars and, and get to have all the fun of it without ever getting their ass whipped back, you know? That's also going to be good because I know for me, like, you know, they say that in boxing or in striking, sometimes you pull your punches. I know more often than not, especially with leg entanglements, I'll literally let go of something because you'll get the sense that somebody just doesn't know what they're doing. And you realize, like, eh, I'm probably going to hurt them here. That is pretty nice to be able, uh, when you do have a grappling dummy like that, and especially one that's very responsive in a realistic way where you can go to those breaking points so that you actually know and you have more intelligence as to what it is that you can do in that situation. If you didn't have to, you know, be a human being and be nice to people, all that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we do and when I put people through workouts with the dummy, um, obviously you're going to punch it and move through positions and you get to do all that. But one of the really awesome benefits of it is just building your like isometric squeeze. You know, we all know, like if you've trained once in your life, you know that when you squeeze on something as hard as you can, you can only do that for so long and it's going to really zap you. Um, you know, and what we can't do is take a training partner and go, I'm just going to work on my isometric hold of my rear naked choke for two minutes while you lay here, you know, like that's obviously not safe. It, it could never be done, but with the dummy, we can get in these positions, an arm bar position or a guillotine choke or a, or, or a, a rear naked choke position. And you can squeeze the thing as hard as you possibly can for as long as you can. And you're not going to hurt it at all. So really like helping build people's isometric squeeze, I think is a big one. Um, I was just watching a video the other day of uh, Al Jermaine Sterling from the UFC and they were working on his, uh, his squeeze. And what they did was he had a medicine ball between his knees and he was squeezing it. He was laying on his side. And then they had a uh, foam roller that he was squeezing like a rear naked choke. And I was like, that's a good idea. But imagine if you just had, you know, uh, say a perfectly angled and shaped human formed dummy to do that with, it would be a much more functional workout with the same idea. So that's like, you know, it's just one of the many features that I think is going to be something that really pops off in this sport is people really like being able to like, beat the crap out of this thing, squeeze it as hard as you want to. 
it's never going to be late to practice, you know, or no show yeah. you, you never have to be without a training partner. So it's just got kind of a long list of things that are, are beneficial to having one. Well, that sounds so much better. And I mean, honestly, cheapskates, it's a smarter idea because, you know, they have those electronic massagers now, like the Tam Tams or whatever like that. I kept thinking to myself, I was like, somebody told me, they go, oh, it's about 600 bucks. And I go, I'm sorry, what? And they go, yeah, it's 600 bucks. And I was like, well, can I make one of those? And I just laughed because there was like somebody who took like a power saw and then just put a golf ball on it. And as a joke of a video, they go, see, this will work and do the exact same thing to relax your muscles. And I was like, nah, that's cool. I'll pay the $600. Right. Yeah, man, you know, there's a, there's a difference between cost and value. You know what I mean? And, and the, I think the value of our dummy compared, especially to the other dummies on the market, um, you know, when you, when you take into account some of the dummies at a comparable price, but then, you know, they weigh two or three times as much. So they're harder to ship or, you know, they have dummies that you have to stuff yourself. So like people are like just cramming old t-shirts in them and shit. It's like, you know, like the, you know, the cost of certain training equipment going to be high man i got a gym full of heavy bags and none of them were cheap you know but but the value of someone being able to punch that thing a hundred thousand times over six months instead of me is is a high value for for everybody for the you know me not getting punched for the person's you know health of their hands and elbows and and that's why we have punching bags in every gym so i think that like um you know it's like anything with equipment man you get what you pay for you know, I, I have, I have pieces of equipment in my gym that cost hundreds of dollars that haven't been used in years. And uh, that's definitely not what we expect from our, from our product. We expect our product to, to be, you know, beaten to hell and, and used all the time. Cause I think that's what it was made for. And BJJ9000.com. If you want to get a good visual on what you're seeing, um, this gives you the, the chance to watch it. You can see Joe interact with it, which is, it's, it is a cool thing. How much does it weigh? That is. So we made it weigh. we actually had, it, we added some, uh, steel to it to make it weigh a little bit more. So it's just over 40 pounds. Um, but that makes it pretty much perfect to where it doesn't like slide around too much without you. When we had it too light it would kind of float away from you when you were trying to train with well, it. Yeah, and obviously big. if it was too heavy, yeah, if it was too heavy, it would, it would be cumbersome. So we needed to be able to move, but still be able to like not go running across the mat every time you try to move, you know? So we ended up, we did a lot. The prototyping phase on this thing was crazy, man. We got, we went through months and months and months of, of prototyping until we felt like we had the perfect product. And, and that's what you see on the website now. Now, when you have bothersome students, you just make them train with that and you roast them while they do it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you know, like, there's so many things that it's so funny, the people at the gym, but it, God, you should see the kids on it, dude. That's how, I want, like, my big hope for this thing being successful is that, like, when we have kids come into the gym, it, they immediately are over on this thing, you know, it just makes me think it's as much fun as I think it is because the kids are just drawn to it. Like they don't run over and start kicking the bags anymore. They always go find the dummy and start beating it up. So that's always fun for me to watch. Well, plus it's going to make for a good Pixar movie in about 10 years when you get to feel what the dummy felt like as it was like coming to life at night and being like, those kids kick the shit out of me. 
I'm kidding. Just bummed out. Never gets to hit anyone back. <laughs> or alive now. I'm worried. This thing's built <laughs> built for a fight. So, and can I make it quick? No, I won't. I'll save the leg enclosure uh, patent jokes for a later date because I've been working. Yeah, on Yeah, no, no, no. We get we get plenty of those jokes. I okay. promise. Perfect. We get we get all sorts of of great jokes about it. People asking if we can put a zipper on its mouth, things like that, you know. Well, I just want a leg unenclosure patent, but it's a different doll series. It's a different. Yeah. There's a north direction. I also, okay, you've broached this because one of the things that I saw in the BJJ 9000, that's at the new gym location. Yep. Last time we spoke to you, you were in the middle of. People like to fight with you. If you're brand new to the show, Joe introduced me, he and Dave Drunell, once upon a time to uh, to jiu-jitsu and just this style of, of human being and fighting, and it's it's addictive. It's not surprising, but you moved into the new location looks badass. The compliment I gave you is that it looks like where Shredder trained the Foot Clan, and that is, that's, yeah. that's a great thing. Like They had an awesome facility. How's the new place? How long have you been in it now? Give us who's the details. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be there two years in January, um, and it's great, man. It's uh, it's massive. We have like just under eight thousand square feet. Um, we have like one of the biggest mat spaces that I've seen at gyms. You know, I've seen bigger, but we're somewhere near the top of that list. We have just like seems like a football field size piece of mat. Um, and you know, we have full weight room, ring cage, all the bags you could ever need. And so, yeah, we're really lucky and we're in downtown Manhattan, which I like a lot now they're, they're doing like a lot of really cool improvements to downtown Manhattan. And, uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be a part of that. You know, I never really thought Manhattan would be a place I ended up for the rest of my life when I came out here to train soldiers a hundred years ago, but um, you know, I've, I've really, I fell in love with this town and, and I love the things that they're doing. And one of the things they're doing is really amping up the downtown area. Um, you know, so it's not just going to be only Aggieville, which if you're not from Manhattan is like the college area where all the college kids go out. Um, so the downtown's like a really cool part to be a part of now. And, and we love it down there. There's a few bars, there's a few bars and restaurants. That's a cool. Oh yeah. There's more and more all the time. 8,000 square. Okay. That explains because it does look, it looks huge. And that's a, that's a testament to, you know, the building and the progress and having enough people that want to fight with you. But that's pretty damn cool. How many do you have like a dummy section then? And do you call it, what do you call it? The BJJ 9000? Because the name feels very Terminator esque. Right. That's kind of like, that's what we thought Terminator or like Robocop. Uh, we get some comments where people bring up like Dragon Ball Z, but I got pussy in high school, so I don't even know what that is. Um, but I'm just kidding. I just figured you guys probably are Dragon Ball Z guys. Um, so, I don't like the inference. Speak for yourself, <laughs> kid. It's all right. Uh, so uh, we we wanted it to sound kind of like futuristic um, because that's kind of so like it almost has like a little robot feel to it because like I really do feel like it's just it's it's ahead of its time and we usually call it the dummy, you know, like, uh, that's like, honestly, I'm like, grab the dummy. I don't go, go grab the Brazilian jiu-jitsu 9,000 jiu-jitsu accelerator from the corner and do reps. You know, we just, we just call it the dummy. It's easy. It keeps it 
keeps it down. It's a, the brevity thing is pretty cool about that. So Until that's usually what we call it. To say its full name, and that's when we'll know there's a problem. That's what's going to. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So some people call it BJJ9K. That's something I've heard a lot of people call it, kind of like the NFL 2K thing, and like. So we we're just going with whatever, you know. People can name them. Maybe it'll be like a pet rock, and people can name their own dummy and call See, whatever they want to. That's a good policy to have because I know whenever <clears throat> I'm training and people are like, "Whoa, whoa, go easy on the dummy," and I was like, "Excuse me, he has a name. It's Kevin. Please be nice." Be nice. I don't like it. I don't like the name calling. <laughs> it's just rude. When we're fighting. Let's be gentlemen. And. This, uh, I do enjoy the videos though. I did send Raph, I was like, I don't think my technique's gonna be as smooth as I'm trying to operate this, which makes me, I don't know, maybe that means I need one more than ever. Where does this fall for you? Because I understand the natural part of you were a crazy person, you wanted to fight, so it made sense that you were you were pursuing that, and then you built the gym around that because it was like, well, hell, if I'm gonna be training people and train this, I and I'm gonna teach it. The combatives part, where does it fall into your switch where you're like, you know, I, I want to start building a business in terms of product? Because that just seems like such a different beast in terms of all of the yeah. logistics of shipping and packaging and building. So where's that? I mean, I'm just curious. You seem like you're you're headed towards empire status. So where's that, that decision come from? Well, it actually, it came from the idea when we used to train soldiers, actually, that's where I had the idea. So this is in the good old days. Um, and we would have, if we had uh, odd man out during that training, then one of us as instructors had to become that guy's training partner. And, uh, you know, and so that was one part of it was b being able to have like a functional training partner that, that's a dummy. But the other thing was, is that I was, uh, when I was fighting actively, especially in those days, like a big part of my training for conditioning was like just beating the shit out of these current jujitsu dummies that exist. And I always hated it because like, I feel like they all suck. And just being honest, I mean, like, I, I don't think that my idea for this dummy is the craziest, like best idea ever. I just think that the current dummy market is garbage. Um, if you've messed with most, like I haven't really played with any other dummy that can actually do anything. You know, some of them are basically like a heavy bag with arms sewn on it, or it's like half a torso with a head but it's like the wrong angle. It's like the head's too far away from the waist. And so you're not even punching. It's like, it just never made sense for me to be punching this thing over and over again. It could have just been, uh, it could have been a pillow or a heavy bag laying on the floor. It didn't need to be like in this stupid shape. And so, you know, my idea for the dummy was to have all these realistic striking angles and make it be able to cover all the positions. That was important for me that it, you could cover all the positions, not just, Hey, go mount that dummy, punch it 20 times and then do the only arm bar you can do on it. It actually has some functionality. Um, and so I, I just started kind of believing in my own idea essentially is what happened. And I was going around and meeting with people and trying to sell it. Um, and I got really lucky to, um, one of those meetings, uh, the company actually had hired a Wagner, um, and he was in on the meeting this is years ago. So he sat in on the meeting and he thought it was a great idea. And him and I, we fought together on a card in Wichita, Kansas, like 15 years ago. We've known each other for a long time and we had the same management and, uh, our fight careers and stuff. And so, um, 
I had went through and went to a bunch of these meetings. I wasn't really having any luck because I honestly didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. I just had this idea and that was it. And uh, it turns out you're not supposed to like walk into big meetings at companies and only have an idea. You're supposed to have like some shit to back it up. Um, so I ran into Abe Wagner at an after party at fights one time. And he was like, what did you ever do with that thing? And I was like, fucking nothing. I can't seem to get anything done. He's like, let's have lunch tomorrow. We had lunch tomorrow. We literally wrote up our contract on a napkin. We became partners and fucking bam, that motherfucker went into action. And he, next thing I know, we've got patent attorneys and we're, he built the first prototype himself in his basement. And then next thing I know, we've got, you know, our patents in place. We've got a guy in Pakistan that's going to make our prototypes and we're going through pad selections and just, man, it just never stopped. And it really took off from there because Abe had it knows how to take an idea and put it into practice. I I'm an idea guy, but I didn't know where to go from there. Um, and so when it really started gaining steam was when Abe Wagner got involved and we're kind of like this crazy little team, you know, we have this crazy story. We've met through this fighting stuff, but then here we are, uh, you know, late way later on. And we're actually, you know, in business together with a product that we think can help train people to do the same things we did. And so that, and that's when basically shit got real because it was like, okay, if we're going to like, we have a fact that we own a factory in Pakistan, like as we speak. So like that wasn't free, obviously. So we had to like, you know, invest some money to get this thing going, but we believe in it. And so now we're really like, we're, hitting the ground running with it you know we're we're up for sale now things are really moving we've got some deals in the work that like could be life-changing you know nothing that i'm going to talk about really on here but tomorrow i could get a phone call and shit could change drastically financially for us because we have a lot of big deals working and uh, i think it's something that's going to end up being in every gym without a doubt all right and you know you've got some experience the black belt the who the fuck knows how many MMA fights? Sure, dog has thirty. There's probably an additional <laughs> twenty-five to. They don't 40. count the after-party fights, though. So oh, yeah, it's different. The podcasts. Anderson Silva posse fights. I heard Joe Wilk punched Anderson Silva. That's just what I heard. It happened a long time yeah. ago. Oh six. Prove us wrong. Those are the rumors. Nope. And no one yeah. has a picture because Joe, Joe had threatened everyone. <laughs> don't take a picture of that guy. And they misinterpreted it, didn't catch a moment. But what are you going to do? Have you guys ever seen the show Party Legends on on uh, Vice? <laughs> no. It's essentially like it's people telling stories about parties, but they brought in animators to like animate their story. So that plays like while they're doing it. I feel like there's a fortune to be made in MMM, MMA. Sorry. If somebody did that same thing with after fight party stories and like animated it and like fucking... <laughs> myself and david rickles alone could have like a full season for sure i would watch that i'll sign up for that ahead of time okay well joe you're an insanely busy guy really important part of of this podcast given that you've you've helped spark at least half of our interest in fighting i have one more trivia question for you sir you won three consecutive fights in the year 2012 by guillotine choke you beat Andrew Carrillo. Can you name the other two people you beat via guillotine choke in consecutive fights? Okay, Josh Huber. Correct. That is on there. Yes. 
God, there's three. I thought yeah, I lost it? my next fight after that. <laughs> was it Titan FC? Fight for the troops. That's oh, where you beat Jesse Justin. Zygan. Uh, no. In this, per sure dog, you beat Andrew Carrillo at Titan FC 21, Titan Fighting Championship. Then you beat Aaron Steele at Victory Fighting Championship 37. Aha, uh-huh. there you go. That was for the tie, yeah, VFC title. That was, so that was on my, the, I turned 30 the day of weigh-ins for that. It was my 30th birthday, and and I was fighting down at 145 then. I had to cut all the way to 145-0, scratch weight, because it was a title fight. And so we're up in Omaha and I used to cut like basically from 160. I can only get down to about 160. So I was always cutting like 14, 15 pounds, 24 hours before weigh-ins. And, uh, so I go and I make weight. We're back up in my hotel room and, uh, they're trying to stick me with an IV, but I'm so dehydrated that they can't, I even IV me. And I'm like, I'm laying in this bed and like, I must've just looked like death and people like are surrounding the bed. It was like, they were saying goodbye to me. And then all of a sudden we had the latch in the hotel room door because people were coming in and out. And all of a sudden my mom comes barging in with like some of her girlfriends, they got like balloons and shit and they're surprising me for my 30th birthday. And they come barging in the room. My mom sees me and she just starts weeping, crying from the, just from the side of me, she comes around the court, sees me and just starts bawling. And I looked at her and I pointed at the door and I go, get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Happy 30th birthday to me. (laughs) But yeah, so, so I won the title and then we partied the next night. It was all good. Because you were just that pissed off. It sounds like. Dude, you've never been that level of dehydrated. Like I was so mad. They were poking me like they were poking me like in the, in my elbows and the tops of my hands. They were like trying to get IVs in me everywhere. Couldn't do it. And I was just so <laughs> done with it. I was so pissed. It was hilarious, but she came busting in like fucking a clown with balloons and shit. And I had to send her out crying. We made up though. We had dinner that night. It was all good. Yeah. Love you, mom. She'll probably listen to this. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be odd when the pilot of our MMA party and behind the scenes animated show starts with you being like, fuck you, mom. Yeah, no, you have no idea. My mom's been in a lot of those party stories, though, so she's not always innocent. She's not always an innocent bystander. I promise you that. That's well, a then this show, show though. That's a just got cashers. picked up by HBO right now. Yeah, people are going to be listening. We've got, we've got a lot to work on. This is why you have to bring people like Joe the Nose Wilk back on the podcast. There's so much shit to talk to him about and who knows what he's gonna be doing next time we chat he'll be in the private jet industry it's an exclusive fighting it's called fighting mile high he'll tell you about it on the next podcast where we chat with him in a few years uh hey now there's an idea right airborne fight oh damn well that would spice up us anytime you watch people jump out of an airplane it's always okay but at a ref and some people just uh, doing this fighting you introduced us to, which thank you, by the way, for Lethwe. This shit is intense. So if I could urge the audience right now, BJJ9000.com, and then take a sharp right towards YouTube. If you haven't, Lethwe fighting, uh, Google headbutt, YouTube will know what you mean. Joe, thank you for swinging by the podcast. If people want to fight with you, they come out to Combative Sports Center. Yeah, that's right. 
Combat Sports Center. Um, you can come out anytime in Manhattan. Anytime people come to visit this town, which is a lot, we we always welcome people. Like we don't do like drop in fees for visitors from other gyms. Anyone can come train here anytime, man. I just love to train and and scrap. So people are always welcome. And then yeah, definitely BJJ nine thousand dot com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram too. So check it out and check out the product and get one for yourself for sure. Verbal Tap fans. Uh, go check it out. There is there is no one like today's one and only Joe the Nose One. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is Please note, the new number is...